Hey everyone, this is Chris, and you are tuned in to Indie Beat once again. Thank you. So great to have you. I really appreciate it. Hello. So, anyway, today I have here filmmaker Nick Hayes. Hello, Nick. Hey, how you doing, man? Hey, man. You know what? I couldn't be better. <laughs> so, um, so I met Nick a couple months ago, weeks ago, whatever, at a podcast performance for podcasters Street Fight. Um, they are uh, leftists. They describe themselves as anarcho-comedy. And whatever, you know, they're great. So we're going to talk a little bit about that because Nick works with them and sh- films their performances and all that. And he does other great things too. So we're going to talk. Now, Nick, I would like to hear about your film background i was into it like i kind of always knew what i wanted to do from when i was a kid and then in high school uh i went to like a really nice high school with like a really nice tv program where i got to like work with lots of equipment um and then i also like went when i was 16 and worked on like a big feature film because basically it was like based off a film about my dad's book who is just like a sports writer like you know, like pretty you know, normal middle class dude, not like a dude who has a ton of recognition. I mean, you know, some recognition in the sports writing field, I would suppose. Um, but yeah, basically went and worked on his film for a little bit. And then that film kind of tanked, but it was still a good experience. I worked on that for like three months as a camera production assistant, came back and um, started making documentaries and uh, graduated high school and, you know, worked on, got some internships and did some stuff out in Chicago and kind of moved, uh, to Detroit after a while where I started doing more like commercial sort of stuff. Uh, originally I'm from the Chicago suburbs. I didn't like the, the Chicago film scene is very like, in my experience, at least it was very, you're either like going to work in TV or do, like two or three types of corporate video or you're doing like weddings and like there was a very present like (laughs) have you ever have you felt that in any things where it's like the you're seeing a lot of people who were like yeah i wanted to do stuff and then like they're like shooting weddings now and they've kind of like settled in that and it's like damn that's fucking bleak like i mean not to like you know shame it. it's like a good it's like a racket you know it's a grift but it's like i don't want to do that you know, that's rough because I've shot weddings like I've done a bunch of weddings. But, you know, it's like not necessarily. Yeah. What I would want to spend my time doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my thing was like um, when I was in I went to college in Long Island and. Um, you know, which sucked, uh, but I would be working on sets and stuff, which I fucking hate and uh, like PAing and like um, all that stuff. And I would be like. Yeah, you know, I want to make my own stuff and um, I'll just, you know, do this for money and then make my own stuff on the side. And I remember like this one guy coming up to me and he's like, you know, everyone says that and they never do it. And I was just like, I cannot, you know, it's one of those things where you want to be like, that's not going to be me. But it was also just like, maybe that could be me. Maybe I would like fall into it because it's, you know, set work is like so exhausting and 
you know, probably in a similar way, it's just like really like the fatigue will get you of just like, I remember peeing and just sitting around like watching the equipment truck and it's just like, I could be doing like so many different things and I'm just here like being drained and wasting my time and you know, half the time not even getting, (laughs) yeah, yeah. And half the time I wasn't even getting paid because it's like, well, you got a free PA first and you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a total scam, but it's, uh, it's definitely like that. And it's like that with like, I think a lot of jobs or most jobs where, People just come home and they have other priorities and other goals, but, you know, you're, like, fucking exhausted. So it's, like, totally understandable to be, like, you know, I understand and I know people in the scene who settle into just the contractor kind of lifestyle and stuff and kind of put some other things off to the side because also as a contractor, you're pinging around so much because you're just, like, trying to get that next, like, dollar because you have to. So it's, like, hard to really prioritize your own stuff. So, uh yeah you know like it it is really tough and it's like also then people do start like i I know people who then start making stuff when they're like in their like late 30s or early 40s with their friends and it's like ooh, like you know like if if you'd started this when you were like way younger maybe this could go somewhere but this is not a this is not a polished like concept (laughs) you missed all those like embarrassing formative years and now you're just like doing them way too late Um, so yeah i have two friends in chicago in the uh in the film scene they both um because they both like chicago as a city in there but they're both teaching and they do films like when they can um that's what's up though the teaching gig is it seems pretty tight like people creatives i know who have a teaching thing and then also are doing stuff like on the side Mm -hmm. seems pretty cool yeah, um, I know a couple filmmakers here like that, and it seems like all of the like really great um, international filmmakers just do that, and they're able to do that, and it's not a big deal, because um, I don't know, they just have it like a million times better across the board. Um, yeah, I kind of thought about doing that, but then I had like... I taught freshmen once and I was like, I never want to fucking do this ever. Um, I guess I'm warming up to it again, but yeah, I mean, I just also like, I can't sit like right now in my life and at any other point in my life up till now, I can't sit really through like a thing that's really boring or, um, you know, it's, I just have a tough time, like, you know, maintaining that focus. Why? What about your life <laughs> prevents you from doing that? Just, I mean, just like, I mean, some of it's that, like, uh, I don't know. I'm just not, I don't do well. I don't do well, like, in a classroom setting. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, I don't know. It just doesn't, it's never really clicked with me. Being in, like, a, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Gotcha. It's A lot of it's just immaturity, if we're being honest. Ah, oh, come on. <laughs> What made you move to Detroit aside from not being wanting Chicago? Because there's also, you know, if you wanted work, you could do New York or L.A. and, you know, probably some others. Um, I mean, part of it was just that, like, I was, like, 18 at the time. And so I was trying to get out of, you know, I was just trying to get away from where I was at. And uh, Detroit was close. I had a friend out there that I knew I could go stay with. And he worked as a sound guy, so he already had some, like, freelance contacts. And um, 
Like, basically, I went out to visit him once, and it was, like, I saw the work he was getting and the types of productions. And, like, Michigan's, like, you know, there was parts of it I really liked as far as some of, like, the rural. And then I really liked Detroit as a city. Um, and so he was able to kind of plug me in when I moved out here. And I've been able to kind of just, like, build on those contacts um, and kind of, like, transition into different sorts of more, like, niche work, basically. But, I mean, there's I have friends in Chicago and, she, and like, friends who work in film and <laughs> just be a guy who's, like, really trying to prove he has friends. I have friends in Chicago, though, who, you know, like, work in film as freelancers and, like, I work with them sometimes when I'm doing shoots out there. And it definitely, I mean, there's totally, like, a cool market to it and there's a lot of cool music stuff going on. And, I mean, you could point to Detroit and just as easily say, like, it's a single market because you're either doing the one TV show that shoots out here or you're doing... Um, you know, basically the commercials for the big three auto companies. So, you know, there's that, or like Blue Cross, Blue Shield, or some of these like big companies based out of here. So it's, you know, it's, it totally goes both ways, but it's a, it was like a, a, it's a smaller market out here too. And Chicago felt like I would be, it felt, yeah, like harder to puncture. It felt like a bigger pond and, um, rent also is like, just cost of living out here is cheaper. Well, I guess that answers the New York LA question. Yeah, I mean, and it's like that's the big thing. Is like I just was out when I was out in New York, and um, like we saw each other. It was like that was really, I think, my first time in New York as like not a child, as like not like a eleven or twelve year old or something. And it was just like uh, you know super cool. I was like surprised by how much I liked Brooklyn and I like liked the city, but I wouldn't. I would like I w- I don't want to have to the idea of having to pay like. $1,500 or $2,000 a month means I have to grind like so much and work so much. It's just like, and that's a lifestyle some people want. And that is like cool. And like to live in New York and that's like kind of the grind thing. But like out here, it's like, I can kind of just like <clears throat> not do that. <laughs> you know, don't do that. Like it's disgusting. I mean, I don't live there really anymore. I still work in New York, but, um, you know, it was, I was always tired, always like, at a certain point, I feel like most of my friends were, our work schedules weren't lining up and we just were either not able or too tired to even like go and enjoy the city. And it's just like, it, it, you know, I don't want to be one of those like pieces that's like, I moved out of New York and I couldn't be happier. It's like, I think if I were to like live elsewhere and come visit, I would be in love with it and right now i'm just like i think it's still fine but you know if you you don't have to live there you know it's it's kind of impossible to even do so yeah and it's it's like that's the whole thing is any all of us are mobile and all of us have friends places and like we can access and tap into these different places and it's like also live in a place that is easy to live in you know like that's all and it's like really how that's like what you were saying how much did you like are you actually being able to like full like fully enjoy new york i mean obviously you're having those moments but it's like you have those moments in eddie city too where you're like god damn this city's beautiful you know like that's i think about anywhere too so i don't know um i like new york though i'm all about it i like i've been there one time so i don't know what i'm talking about yeah no i think i honestly do think it's better if um you know, unless whatever, you're rich and you, you can live here and it's no problem. But if you just visit, 
you know, it's amazing. And uh, yeah, I mean, I really enjoyed it for a long time and I still do, but it's just like, to me right now, it's not worth busting my ass to live there and then just not be able to enjoy it um, in the same way as if I was like visiting or something. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, that's just not where my life priorities are at. And I mean, as a, like a, a person who's become more radicalized as a leftist too, it's like, it's hard to like convince myself to grind for like anybody besides myself really, or like, besides, and that I have, obviously that comes with like a privilege to say that, but it's hard to like, just like want to go to plug in nine to five and like go do a ton of work and like do all this freelance commercial shit. And like, you know, it's just like, it provides, an, uh, it serves a need I have, like I'm doing good work for these people, but you know, it's like not necessarily where I think any, I mean, all of it goes nowhere, you know, that's the whole reality is like that it's all nothing and it all goes nowhere. And like the only people who like care about it really are like the two people who shot it or the two people who did whatever, but it doesn't like matter. It just goes into this void of like commercial corporate content that, you know, so I don't know. It's just like not worth anybody's time. That's kind of though the whole thing of capitalism is where you're just spinning your fucking wheels, like creating dumb shit and like wasting human resources and wasting like, you know, natural resources just to create stuff that serves no purpose for. And like the only purpose it maybe serves is like enriching three people or whatever. <clears throat> so it's like hard to convince yourself to get super excited about it. Man, that was impassioned. I hate it, dude. I mean, it's cool. Like, you know, like I'll continue to do it. Like, I don't want to, you know, I mean, it's good work. It's like a thing that comes naturally to, to me as far as a job. But it is just like, um, like I've also worked with some just terrible agency folks who have just been like, like really mean, <laughs> like just like, like comically mean to where I'm a little jaded right now in particular, just on like dealing with agency people. Uh, but, you know. It's, they're not all like that. <laughs> I mean, I've been on, you've done it a lot more than me because I, I don't do set work anymore. But um, I've been in like scummy situations where people are just like fucking mean and rude for no reason. And it's about like the dumbest shit that at the end of the day doesn't make any difference. It's like, you know, the amount of scrutiny they have like for their like shitty commercial and the amount of like vitriol they'll spit at you for like just nothing like i you know i can't i can't deal with it so i think well, we, we both know too and i'm sure you've talked about this with hundreds of other like people but uh yeah i mean the key the, the obvious thing is just like like it's a middleman kind of situation and a lot of times if you just give more creative agency to the actual like filmmakers you're going to get a more cohesive piece that doesn't look like 18 people have stuck their hands in mm-hmm. you know like i've been in situations where it's a, we have, i have a circle of 10 people from an advertising agency on a set standing outside a trailer and there's a dude trying on two different shirts and we're picking between two shirts that are like very similar shirts. And it's just like, this is, there's no way you can tell me that this is like, <laughs> like that this is meaningful or like, this <laughs> is like, like impacting the video in any like super important way. Like this is, a, this is basically administrative waste, right? Yeah. It's ludicrous. It's, a, it's like, why are we spending like, this is so silly spending this amount of time on something that doesn't mean anything and you're like, I don't know, pretending it means something. Like, I don't believe you actually think this makes a difference. Unless it's like, 
you are one of those really evil people who like knows the different colors that trigger certain things in our brain and stuff like that. And if that's the case, then, you know, get the hell out of here. But, but it's like for the 15 people who are watching it, even it's like, that you want to trigger them with like a red shirt. Yeah. I mean, it's just goofy. It's all, but I mean, they will think about it that granular, like down to the, you know? Yeah. It's, um, the commercial scene is like really, uh, like there's great people working in it. Like all of the workers in the commercial scene are great. I've met really great advertising people in it, and like a lot of the producers out there are like some of the like most interesting, hardworking people I've met. Um, but a lot of just the actual work itself, like what on piece of pa- on the piece of paper, what the project is, is um, like the dumbest shit you've ever seen. And it just continues to get wilder. Like it continues to go down and down where you're like are you kid is this a joke you know but you know it is what it is it's that's but that's kind of like just yeah again not to just keep bringing up capitalism but as cap- as capitalism descends into this like wacky comic book like thing where it's just super visible and like literally in Detroit we have a little Caesars pizza stadium that was built with taxpayer money and like kid rock opened there and like as it just descends into this like mayhem of like yeah, just uh, grotesque capitalism. It's just going to become yeah. Continue to the commercial work out there is going to continue to reflect that and reflect like the corporate interests and bizarre things. Like I saw a Smirnoff ad that was like, "We have no problem talking about our Russian connections under like oath or something." And it's like, the fuck is going on? Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like shit is just eating itself. You know. So I love it. It's fun to watch. Like how often how often do you work on these commercial things? Um, I mean, it's like it's kind of gone in phases. Like in the last maybe two or three years, so maybe a year ago was really when I was like full blown like seeking out commercial work. Like whenever I wasn't working on commercial stuff and um, like really working on a lot of projects. So I would say that like at that time I was maybe doing like seven or eight pretty big commercials or campaigns in a year. And or maybe probably more like six, six or seven. Um, And then like this year, it's maybe been like three, you know, so but like it's also just things like uh, they've been kind of different projects or they're longer projects or whatever. So um, and I've just been doing more stuff like with Street Fight and with like different entertainers. So I've kind of been like scaling back. Like I was like when I first moved to Detroit, I was living downtown. So I had like an expensive apartment because I was dumb and, like, 18 and didn't know, like, what I should be paying for an apartment. And then I was immediately like, this is unsustainable and scaled back a bunch. So it, since then, it's been, I've been able to kind of, like, seek out less work constantly, which has been nice. Did the nature of commercial work push you more towards shooting these, like, leftist entertainers? Definitely, because it was, it was, like, very much like... I entered sort of the film production world like, okay, let's get to the big shoots. Let's get up there. Let's do the big ones, you know? Because I don't know. I didn't even know, like, what I was really shooting for, I guess. Like, it was like I wanted to be able to basically make a living doing it. Um, And, like, I went to film school for four months, uh, basically out here, like, to a one-year program at a trade school. And uh, I dropped out because I was getting some opportunities and I wasn't able to go to class because I was getting on these, like, shoots. And um, so very quickly, I went from being like a PA to an AC to 
like an operator to a DP to a director and then to a producer, which is kind of where I'm at now. Um, like on different, di- like various kinds of like r- tiers of commercial work, right? Just trying to like figure out where like the real need in the market was, because for a while it was just kind of like I was an everyman doing a lot of different stuff because I can edit, I can shoot. And what pushed you towards like Street Fight in particular? I feel like you do the most work with them. I could be totally wrong, and you may no, correct me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what pushed me towards them was just that they. I was listening to their stuff a lot. Like, I, I was listening to, like, I, I was listening to a lot of like lib podcasts, like leading up to the election, and it was like, oh, all these clowns are wrong. Like Ezra Klein, all these like dudes don't know what they're talking about at all. And then, <clears throat> like, as you're learning, so yeah. And then I was like listening to Chapo Trap House a little bit, listening to Street Fight Radio, um, started going to like DSA meetings and stuff. Um, and yeah, that was just like basically where my interests were at exclusively. And it was like the, them, their, their stuff about like, fuck your boss. And like, it's all fake bullshit. And like, just kind of some of the casualness of the language. And like, I'm not really interested in like academic socialism, uh, or that kind of stuff. Like I have a hard time with like, again, like the classroom stuff, like I can get through some books and, um, like watch some old films and stuff. Like I enjoy that, but I'm not really interested in like going to like grad school to learn about like Marxist, whatever the fuck. So, you know, <clears throat> so for, for me, it was like an accessible thing. Basically it was an accessible way to act like to learn about socialism and anarchism and just like what the people with those perspectives would have. And then, um, also I'm just like always kind of like looking and analyzing content, looking at and analyzing content and trying to figure out like, you know, what it is and, like, if there's, uh, you know, a, like, a way for me to plug in or whatever. I don't know. So then I was, like, doing DSA stuff, and I kind of began looking at it almost as, like, an organizing opportunity, like a socialist organizing thing. Like, do these people have the resources even to create video, or would I be bringing that to them and organizing their videos sort of for them, which kind of was the case because I approached Street Fight and was like, hey, you guys have somebody doing videos for you probably, right? And they were like, no. So I was like, oh, well, then I'll just, like, meet up with you when you're in Michigan. So we just met up, and it was, like, as casual as it, like, sounds, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of lately been what we've been doing because that's, like, way cheaper. So, like, I've literally just been sleeping on a cot in their hotel room when we, like, travel around. Um, so New York was like that, but then I, it was my fucking fault that we got kicked out of this fucking hotel room for weed because yeah that shit sucked so i mean i think the plan is still for me to like like go around with them i mean you know like we'll probably see next year like they just did a show in um indiana recently and i shot that and um they're gonna have a show in columbus soon which i'll probably shoot and that's all stuff that like we're going i'm going to be releasing in 2018 basically um in addition to like some other content and stuff but yeah i mean I travel with them right now. I, I know they've been talking about doing a tour in 2018, and if they do, um, I would probably be traveling with them for at least, like, a portion of that because I think, like, doing a, a filmed, like, laid-back Midwest tour with Street Fight would be pretty cool. Um, and it's just, like, yeah, the whole thing is just, like, nobody's doing it, and I think 
the, like they're building an audience. Chapo Trap House is building an audience. Um, Delete Your Account is building an audience. And like as these audiences kind of like coalesce and stuff, I think it's there's going to be people interested in this tour they did in 2018 and stuff like that. Or at least that's like kind of where my head's at. I mean, there's probably an opportunity to do that. Um, I mean, this kind of ties into basically like a, a cooperative project that you and I talked a little bit about that I'm working on where basically we are creating a cooperative um, distribution platform for like leftist um, entertainment. And so part of that would be releasing like free videos, like little minute and a half videos that are like, you know, Street Fight on the Road doing something and then there would be maybe like a two dollar video of like their live show in nebraska or something like that you know you briefly mentioned uh this thing you're trying to do can you go a little bit more in detail about like what it is and what you hope to do with it and what it's called i don't know if i ever asked if you have like a name for it or anything yeah totally so um, basically, me and two other people, Jasper Thews and Naomi Burton, are um, working on creating a cooperative um, media company that would do three things, basically. One is uh, deliver production and marketing. Well, one is deliver production for um, the labor movement at large and, like, certain nonprofits, leftist organizations – and community organizations, right? So the uh, the cooperative's name is Means of Production, and the idea is to provide some of those groups with that means of production. Um, and we would also be providing, the second thing would be marketing, so providing marketing and digital strategy and social strategy for uh, the labor movement, certain political candidates that self-identify as a socialist or a leftist, that stuff we're still working to build into um, like our, our bylaws and our values, like what the criteria would be for us to take on a candidate. Um, and in addition, and then in addition to marketing, social, all that stuff, we're creating like a centralized distribution platform for leftist video entertainment. Um, so that's things like, you know, a filmed live taping of a podcast, that's stuff like episodic content with some of these like comedians and entertainers. Um, live shows like around the country, like extravaganzas that we're kind of working on. Like there's all these different shows. Like um, at the end of this month, we're doing one with Arish Singh, which is a, he's doing a leftist comedy show called the monkey Wrench show um, in Chicago. And Felix Biederman from Chapo trap house is coming out for that. In addition to like other uh, female comedians that we have booked for that. And um, some people from the onion, too it sounds like so that's like a thing we have going on in chicago we're talking to uh you know some people out in la about setting some stuff up there we're going to do some stuff with street fight and chapo coming up in 2018 and we're working on just like continuing to reach out to different entertainers and building out like programming so that we can kind of have like a, a whole library of that that we can you know provide to people and also they would have a democratic share and ownership over distribution of their content. So they would be members of the cooperative as well. So you mentioned it's like Netflix for uh, leftist entertainers. Yeah, because Netflix kind of sucks shit, I think. And a lot of it, I mean, it's like it's very accessible 
for a lot of people right now because they're doing such a crazy amount of content buying because all their money's fake and all that, you know, and like they're they're buying all this content right now. Like I know people who are getting shows on there and like everybody knows people who are getting shows on there, right? And it's like that's super cool. It's great that they're picking up all this stuff. Um but a that's not sustainable like it's going to in the next 2 years just come to a, like a halt and they're going to have the the level of original content they wanted to have in their library which was 50% i believe um you know and it's like so we're going to hit a wall there so we need to create like a more sustainable model of distributing like actual filmmakers stuff right and like leftist filmmakers too and like filmmakers of color and women filmmakers like people who are kind of like cut out of that um, and so that's kind of how it's like, I look at it as it's a, it's a, a library similar to Netflix or similar to a streaming platform that will have like different sorts of content from different sorts of performers and entertainers. There'll be documentaries from different filmmakers. We'll eventually try to have like narrative content, like, um, you know, six episodes, seasons of shows. Like the idea is to come out with original programming all based around like, content to watch as we descend into late capitalism um, and as we descend into like a crumbling liberal empire um, like what is the actual stuff that's like entertaining because I don't find like Netflix shows honestly most of them entertaining because like like, you know Stranger Things is like not really like interesting because it's not really have a it doesn't have a critical lens of the world it's not it has a kind of Bleh perspective. It's just kind of like feeding on your nostalgia. It doesn't really have like a take on anything. It doesn't have like a. It doesn't even like portray the world in a realistic way as like it is, you know. So I'm just looking for to kind of curate content a little bit that portrays the world as it is, or portrays the world as it like could be under like you know like dystop. Like I'm really interested in dystopic stuff and utopian stuff and. Um, you know, things that kind of look at what could be. I mean, it's like I'm starting small, and I think we're going to start with a pretty straightforward programming schedule. Like, I'm kind of talking pretty big picture here and talking very down the road, but, like, you know, the short-term plan is just working with some of these people who are already out here making stuff and making stuff people like, and these are people who have an audience. Um, And just, um, like, working with them on you know, continuing to build out that audience and shoot their stuff with them and plug that into something where they have ownership of it still, but people can easily go find them and find other people. Um, you know, that's like the short term. And the long term is that hopefully people are co-op, like, you know, contributing to the cooperative and bringing in projects and we're finding different ways to get funding and maybe we're doing crowdfunding for certain things or we're finding democratic, like non-corporate ways to fund our projects. That's like the, um, like down the road goal. Right. But we're also, that's why it's a, we're doing like production for the labor movement. We're doing marketing for the labor movement because a lot of that money is going to subsidize production. We're doing for these entertainers basically. I there is a part of me that enjoys like making uh micro budget films and you know I'd like to get to a level where it's like you know maybe not my money or maybe not but I'm I'm trying to think of like long term and bigger things that I like I've wanted to do or want to do and it's like I have like a really weird 
Um, well, it's not weird. I have a problem being like, what am I expected to do? I'm expected to make a movie that costs a million dollars, like a couple million dollars. And I'm supposed to get that. I'm supposed to like somehow get millions of dollars and some, and just spend it on a movie. And I have like a hard time, like being like, Oh, that's okay. You know what I mean? No one. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, no one's ever the, 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 the millions of dollars to make a movie thing is like very, uh, a whole other kind of scene it's like i'm like that's what i feel like i've realized is like if i want to do that that's like i have to go throw myself into this whole basically rich kid scene where you have to like wear these things and like do this shit and like you know press these buttons over the course of two years and you can like maybe get four million for a movie and have like an executive producer breathing down your throat the whole time I don't know. It just doesn't – none of it – like the more I hear about those people's lives and even like working on that feature film um, that I talked about, that was like I think a $15, $20 million budget movie. And it's like those producers and all them, it's like nobody's getting – it's like somehow nobody's getting paid shit. Like everybody's kind of pissed off it seems like. Like the producers are probably making like pretty good money. I don't know. It just is like the glamour of that stuff and like even the like the environment, the narrative – film environment i'm very jaded on kind of i'm not yeah but that just sounds like i'm shitting on your dream which i'm not trying to do (laughs) no no no. i just i'm talking about like yeah all that stuff too but i'm just like you know millions of dollars and i'm making a fucking movie you know it just seems like why is this massive amount of money needed to make this thing in my head and why is that like sort of okay you know why is that okay like in the grand scheme of things because what can you do with like millions of dollars aside from like making a movie like you can do a lot of you know good shit and it just seems like good shit needs to be done like why am i going to spend that on a movie it's just really hard well that's why it's like too it's like Every type of fucking like white guy idea i feel like about like what if uh you know, he and then he decided he came out as an axe murderer. Like every sort of like uh, movie like that that's like playing on like weird '90s nostalgia or like '80s like family relate dynamics or like it just feels like it's all been done and it's out there. And it's like people will continue to like watch it, I guess, and like people will definitely continue to pay for it because that is like the kind of shit that maintains the status quo. I think is like this sort of like like, heteronormative, sort of, like, a lot of the same sort of, like, uh, these movie plot lines we see coming out of, like, Hollywood and shit. And so, yeah, it's just, like, to to even... <clears throat> damn it, I lost where I was going with that. Fuck. That happens sometimes. I forget what I was saying. <laughs> no, it's okay. I mean, I think you made your point. Um, we briefly talked about uh, running into rich kids in the film industry um, before we were recording, but now we're recording and um, I guess I have to gripe about uh, rich kid filmmakers. I'm ready to talk all this shit right now. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't know. It's just, um, (laughs) it's weird when like something like this comes up because it's like, well, you know, I don't want to sound whiny or whatever, but kind of like, fuck that. You know, I would love to, you know, sit around in the city and not have any other obligations other than to, like, 
write a script and like watch movies to inspire me to write a script and just like chill and hang out with my friends and um you know travel everywhere if my film plays somewhere uh but i have to work and i have bills and i can't do that and uh, hey guess what that's not fair you know and i think other people should have that too and not just these like uh shitty rich kids who you know pretend to be not rich in interviews and stuff like that like that's a thing um it's just disgusting so what do you have to say about that well um i mean i know some i mean first off like i I don't know do i have to is there like a do i have to prove i'm not a rich kid is there a rich kid like barrier i'm not a rich kid like i came from like pretty uh like middle class upbringing and like Yeah, yeah so but i mean like uh you know, that also obviously comes with like a level of privilege, but the, uh, yeah, the rich kids, like the, I know a guy out here who, um, like, you know, there's the, the people who are shooting like the kind of stuff, like the rich kids, they're become super hyper focused on the gear and the tech because that is basically class signaling to other people that they have the money to put together like a 16 millimeter film project or whatever. So it literally just becomes these different like rich kids virtue signaling to one another via like the medium in which they sh- medium in which they shot their film. It's like I had anamorphic lenses, like oh, I shot on the 16 millimeter camera. It's like, you know, and all of their shit is literally like uh, you know, someone who's never left their basement, you know, who's just watched other people's movies and just talks about other directors. And it's like, you've never had an experience to pull on to create any sort of story that isn't like totally hollow and pulling upon just like the worst sorts of stereotypes, right? Like, so yeah, that's like my experience with rich kids is just like very into trying to like get aesthetics down in a way that they can show off to other rich kids. And, um, you know, based off my conversations with filmmakers of color, like in my kind of production community, like they've been, they felt like uh, a a lot of them aren't willing to help out on people of color's productions and like willing to give them the kind of time of day. So yeah, it's like a shit kind of vibe generally. And like they do, they travel around, but I mean, the thing is, it's like I wouldn't want that because it feels hollow and the types of content they're making is so unimportant and so uh, mediocre. And so, and it's like all they're doing is bringing in really talented DPs and like getting some dumb production company to pay them like $40,000 or $50,000. You know, it's not like they necessarily have any like real talent even, you know, besides just communication skills and virtue signaling because they come from wealth, right? So... It's like I'm cool with just doing my shit where it's like some documentary stuff and it's like I'm doing it with like whatever two or three thousand dollars as opposed to like having having a huge set with anamorphic lenses and a 16 millimeter camera and like taking photos of it with for Instagram and shit. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty much um, you pretty much described more or less uh, at least like. New York filmmaking, like Brooklyn filmmaking as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I basically, I don't really care. And it's just like, all right, you do you, I guess, if that's what you're going to do. Um, but uh, it is like there, there are certain things, at least like, um, you know, making your own films that you're like applying for grants or like, 
you know, submitting to film festivals and stuff like that. So, you know, you want to get out there and you want your work to be seen and you think your work is like important. Um, at least like I'm at least trying to do, um, something like political and, and social issues and stuff like that. Um, so it gets annoying when it's just like, this isn't, you know, like I'm going up against like, uh, people in Brooklyn hanging out in their apartments and talking basically. And like, okay, that's, that's what's, you know, getting played and shit like that. Totally. Well, it's just a waste of resource. They're like, it, they're, they're fucking up the allocation of production resources in a big way because they get to decide whose camera goes where, or what happens to this. And it's like, like, fuck that. Like we can just like their, their projects are stupid. They shouldn't be prioritized. Like things that have actual value or provide information to people or serve some sort of propaganda value. That shit is way more valuable now in 2017, almost 2018 than another fucking short film of like a dude some fucking kid walking around brooklyn like dribbling a basketball and like slow motion and like looking up at like a train as it goes by or some some dumb shit like that it's like cool you know it's like you figured out how to do a camera camera stuff dude like now you just have to figure out the life stuff figure out the how to become a person stuff (laughs) damn um yeah there is um I don't know where this came from, but there is this weird thing of being like, we hate, I don't want to watch something or support something that is like, uh, political or has politics. And I don't want to talk about it at all. I just want to talk about aesthetics and how a story made me feel. And that's it. Nothing else is more important. That's privilege though. That's all just privilege. Like to be able to focus on just that shit is just like, it's just because they don't want to like look into these other things going on, I think. And it's like, like I know so many producers that are like, and people who own companies that are like, like, I don't, I won't talk about politics or they'll be like, you know, climate change is real. But other than that, I don't want to talk about politics and shit. And it's just like. How do you – that's such a, 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 an insane thing to – a premise for your worldview and the, for the way you operate your business that like uh, – yeah, like you have no business creating and like like entering content into the void in my opinion. But you know, it's cool people are still doing it. Like they shouldn't listen to me but I don't – I personally don't like that sort of shit and I won't watch it or support it, you know. We've been talking a while so I want – I'm going to seg out and we got – through a lot of things I wanted to talk about except for this one thing that we're going to talk about unless is there something that you wanted to talk about before we get into that thing no man it's been cool I'm good to go alright so you worked on Wahlburgers oh hell yeah I did work on Wahlburgers (laughs) I did let's hear it I don't know if people are familiar with Wahlburgers but it's a show about Mark Wahlberg and his family, and I believe it's on like TNT or like uh, just whatever. Some ch- it's just as much of a reality show as any other reality. It's Cake Boss. It's like Cake Boss, but Wahlburgers, but Wahlberg. Okay, and Wahlburgers is also the name of uh, Mark's brother. I think like Donnie, who uh, like that's he owns a restaurant chain called Wahlburgers, also, which is just like a shitty restaurant chain, burger chain that's themed with pictures of Mark Wahlberg and the different Wahlbergs 
doing different th- shit, like doing like performing on stage or like in an old movie, and it's just like you know mediocre prints of them in frames, and then there's, they just serve hamburgers and stuff, basically. So that's the sh- basically the premise, right? And it's following them around as like he lives this cool celebrity lifestyle, and his brother runs this like uh, uh, cooking place, right? And so I, I was an AC on it for some, like, I just got called to do it. And I was like, cool. Yeah, I'm an AC. Like, let's do it. Um, and, you know, basically, the like, one of the two days, we just sat in a room all day because we were, we were waiting to shoot with Mark on, like, on the set of Transformers. We're just in the production office sitting there all day for 12 hours because it's just we're at the whim of Mark Wahlberg. So it's whenever Mark Wahlberg decides he's cool with this reality show coming over, that's when the reality show films. So literally we have like six people all being paid like $600 a day just sitting on their asses in a room like that. We can't leave because we have to be waiting to dispatch to fucking Mark Wahlberg. It's, so it was just like a stupid day and like there was no cell reception in there. It sucked. And uh, – you know, and then you're also right near the set of Transformers. So I'm out there, like, you know, whatever, smoking a cigarette with somebody or something. And there's, like, a kid, like, just kids from, like, I'm recognizing from, like, every set I've ever been on, like, coming through, like, PAing or interning on uh, this, like, giant shoot because it's just a giant one that comes into town every now and then. Um, but yeah, basically, like, the wildest shit we filmed was, like, on the set of Transformers in downtown Detroit. And there was like they they're all like all of it's fake like they're just trying to like fake stuff and get like these scripted little arguments between people that we have to get so they can edit it together to make it, like it look like Mark was mad or like Mark was hungry or like whatever the fuck and like there was at one point like uh, at one point like uh, Donnie the brother was just like running away from us because he was pissed that like we were just filming him and he was like stop filming me. And uh, we all have, like, walkies in our ear, and the producer's like, keep filming him, keep filming him. We'll use this for him mad at Mark later, <laughs> like, in the walkie. It's so wild. So, uh, yeah, like, the basically, though, like, the real crescendo of the experience was just we had to film um, an argument, like, an on-set fight between Michael Bay and Mark Wahlberg. And it was at, right after a, like, big stunt in the Transformers movies. So they were, like, blowing the sh- like all this shit up in Detroit. Like, all these buildings were blowing up, and they're, like, running all these cars around and stuff. And then that stops. They they call, like, a rap on the day. And then literally because, like, my, like all these people, lit- like, won't hang out another second. Like, they're, they have, like, crazy people routines that they have to stick to. So, like, as soon as that ends, they just – Mark Wahlberg, like, runs up to, like uh, – Michael Bay and they just start fighting and it's like oh we're filming we're filming this we're filming them fighting and like um you know they're just arguing and shit and then like uh basically he's like I don't why are you spending all this time at the the hamburger store or whatever and then like Mark Wahlberg gives him a fucking Wahlburger shirt or something and like Michael Bay's like all right okay this time it's cool just some dumb shit like cooked up by like five producers like who are all cooked up like late at night the night before probably and it's it was just like um yeah, dude, it was like cool. I think I'm doing like I think I'm in. I think this is this is TV. Like this is 100% what television is. I'm working in television, and this is awful. <laughs> this is the worst shit ever. <laughs> this doesn't mean anything for anybody, you know. <laughs> like that's all. So that was my my Wahlburgers experience. Yeah, definitely worth it. 
for the story. Definitely for the story. I knew it while I was there. I was like, this is like the only reason I should stick this out is <laughs> the, is yeah. At one point too, like he, I was, uh, I had to like guide an operator and shit and like, I misguided, I misjudged his move. And so the operator moved out of the way and Mark Wahlberg turned and like, just looked right at me. And I was like, like I had to, I was like all the cameras turned and pointed at me and I was like right in the middle of the fucking scene and I just had to like dive out of the way. It was so fucked. Yeah. I'm not, I'm also just not a good AC really. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, thanks for having me on your podcast though, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, totally. Um, can you tell people where to find your stuff, where to keep up with you and all that? Yeah. I would say like, if you're interested in my personal stuff, check out my Vimeo which is vimeo.com slash Nick Hayes. And then uh, if you're interested in means of production stuff, like that new cooperative that we're going to be rolling out, um, a lot of that stuff is go, like going to be put out on our Twitter, which is at left content. And our website is meansofproduction.media. And uh, yeah, on Vimeo, it's vimeo.com slash means. So that's a whole bunch of URLs for you. Enjoy them. Type them all. <laughs> Type them all. Yeah. Um, Cool. All right. Well, thanks again for coming on. Really appreciate it. Totally, dude. Thank you. Peace. All right. Take care.